Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Luke 23, while hanging nailed to the cross, Jesus declared, quote, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Do you have a lifestyle of emulating Jesus when it comes to forgiveness? Do you live your life consistently considering the price paid for your forgiveness by Jesus? Let's open our Bible now that we may learn what it means to live in a lifestyle of biblical forgiveness. Well, good morning and uh, welcome to another teaching. It's a Wednesday morning here in Texas and uh, man, it's been a good morning already. Man, I just had a good Bible study with the uh, the Wednesday morning guys. It's a group of older guys and man, we were just digging into the scriptures and it was uh, it was exciting. We actually studied Mark 16. We've been going through the book of Mark. We finished the book of Mark today and it was just, uh, it's just incredible. So thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, we are continuing in... Uh, talking about forgiveness, what is true forgiveness. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to talk about um, lifestyle forgiveness today. How, how ought we to be living our lives moment by moment, day by day, in light of all that we have been forgiven? Not only, you know, how we ought to live in forgiveness toward others, Okay, but but how are we living our lives unto Jesus in light of the price paid for the forgiveness of our sins, the salvation of our soul, deliverance from eternal hell and the wrath of God and to bring us to heaven when we die. And so that's what we're going to discuss today. So, Father, we thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness and your grace on our lives. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you. For, our, for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. We thank you for deliverance from your holy wrath in eternal hell in and through Jesus Christ our Lord and only in Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect righteous life on our behalf that we could certainly never live. We thank you for dying a torturous death on our behalf that we should have died and deserve to die. And we thank you that you're alive and risen and we worship you today. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. Give us eyes that see, ears that hear, hearts to understand. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, so lifestyle forgiveness. What does it look like to live a life moment by moment, day by day, um, in light of all that we have been forgiven? Okay. We, we need to have a lifestyle of forgiving others. Okay. And we have, we have two teachings in the series on, you know, what is true forgiveness and forgiving others. Um, but now we're talking about you know, living our life, our life in light of the immense price paid for our sin and really what that should look like. Um, one of the one of the, the great church fathers, um, incredible author, George MacDonald, uh, 
again, who, who I really appreciate. I um, didn't agree with all of his theology, but just his writing is, is, is tremendous. My favorite author, author C.S. Lewis, um, you know, claimed that, 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 that George MacDonald was the greatest influence in his life, was a mentor to him through his writing. And, and, and C.S. Lewis is, is my favorite author. Um, but George MacDonald gave this definition, and I'm paraphrasing, of what it, what it means to, to have brokenness in your life. To the biblical, a biblical definition of brokenness, he defined as, as being so acutely aware of the price paid for my sin that I am literally incapable of complaining about anything the Lord causes me to go through or allows me to go through that's difficult or hard or painful. Try to just comprehend that definition, okay? Um, because it, it it's almost as if like in the church today, it's the opposite. And, and when I look in my own life, it's, it's, it's shameful, meaning my ability to complain about the difficulties or the hardships or the circumstances that, that I don't enjoy um, is sad. And, and it does really reflect an immaturity in my life that when I'm going through a hardship, when I'm going through a difficulty, when I'm going through um, just painful or difficult circumstances or unpleasant circumstances, or when I'm, I'm dealing with being mistreated um, or I'm disrespected, um, I, I, I often don't handle it well. I really don't, Lord, and I and I ask you to forgive me. Um, I mean, you know, sometimes I do handle it well. Sometimes I am able to handle it um, in in a, in a Christ-like and Christ-centered way, and I am able to 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 not, you know, return disrespect for disrespect. I'm able to to not defend myself. I'm able to to return love. Um, and certainly I, I do a fairly good job of repenting later, but I want to grow more to just to live in light of really how much I've been forgiven um, to the Lord and to others. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, so what we're going to talk about is a lifestyle of, of, of living, understanding how much we've been forgiven. In all things, it's really about, you know, emulating Jesus. Um, our lives are about studying the life of Jesus, all he said, all he did, and, and emulating him. Okay, that's the goal of our life is to be more and more and more like Jesus. That's what it means to be a, a disciple of Jesus. Or his apprentice <clears throat> is to be more like him. And so, um, you know, one of the aspects of of living in forgiveness towards others is to is to forgive and then to forget to be angry about it to forget to be upset about it in whatever ways that we have been wronged in whatever ways that we have been hurt in whatever whatever ways we have been betrayed um you know obviously we're not able to really just wash it from our memory like the situation never existed but to forgive and forget means that, that we're not angry about it anymore. It is truly remarkable when you consider the cost paid for our sin 
that God himself, God the Son, the Son of God, Jesus, became a human man because our sin was so bad and he had to live the perfect righteous life that we could never live and then credit it to us as if we lived it and then died a torturous, horrible, painful death on the cross that we we should have died, right, for the payment of our sins, right? And when we receive Jesus Christ, all of our sin, past, present, and future sin, is credited to Jesus at the cross, and the perfect righteous life that he lived when he walked the earth is credited to us. That exchange is the heart of the Christian gospel. And to, and to know that that price that he paid for the forgiveness of our sin, and that even as believers in Jesus Christ, as genuine Christians, we still can live a life. I can still live a life of, you know, of such selfishness. I can still live a life where, you know, I just, I just want my own way so much of the time. Forgive me, Lord. And yet, you know, and yet Jesus is able to, to love us to love me um, and, and, and not hold that against me, right? Look at, uh, look at Isaiah 43, 25. Isaiah 43, 25. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more, okay? That's a remarkable scripture, okay? The Lord remembers our sins no more. So when, when to remember the sin, to remember our sin would obviously cause anger, right? And, and, and would cause wrath. But when we're forgiven by the Lord, he chooses not to remember it. And for us, what that means is to, to not remember to be upset or angry when we've been mistreated, right? And look what he says, for my own sake, he remembers our sins. That's that's very powerful. When we when we forgive someone and we get to and we grow and mature in forgiveness, ultimately where we're, we're we we can't even remember to be upset or angry or mad um, or frustrated about how we were wronged. This is what ultimate forgiveness looks like. Okay, look at uh, Psalm one hundred three, verse twelve. Psalm 103, verse 12, no longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. So again, we living in light of forgiveness is to remember the price that was paid for my forgiveness to consistently, you know, consider that and to not remember to be angry or frustrated about where we've been wronged, right? It's tremendous. Look at Jeremiah. Um, I'm sorry, that verse I just read was Jeremiah 31, 34. The verse I just read, no longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, know the Lord because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more is Jeremiah 31, 34. Um, Psalm 103, 12 says, as far as the East is from the West, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. That's infinite, right? As far as the East is from the West, 
Think about that. If the east keeps going east and the west keeps going west, it's infinite that in Jesus Christ, our sins has been, have been removed from them. So how do we emulate Jesus in this? Okay. Look at Luke 23, 34. Okay. Again, everything is about emulating Jesus. Jesus has, is, 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 is on the cross. He's been tortured. He has lived a perfect sinless life of love in a way only he, the God man can do it. He's dying for the sins of the world. He's been insulted, he's been mocked, he's been spit on, and he's being crucified and humiliated naked, okay? And in this position, he doesn't respond with anger or bitterness. And in Luke 23, 34, it says, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Again, we see here the pinnacle of forgiveness is is emulating Jesus and just forgiving everyone. And, and again, sometimes very hard or, or harmful things have happened to us. We've been betrayed and hurt and had pain brought to us in ways that are very hard. But ultimately, we're called to emulate Jesus to say, Father, forgive them. They, they don't know what they're doing, right? And it's, uh, it's tremendous, right? So, so how do you do this now, Okay. How do you do this? Let's look at Proverbs 17, verse 9. It's just a tremendous, tremendous verse. Proverbs 17, verse 9. He who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Think about that. Proverbs 17, verse 9. He who covers over an offense promotes love. What does that mean? When someone mistreats you, when someone speaks disrespectfully to you, um, when someone is selfish towards you, when, so, when someone says something or does something that's selfish or harmful or hurtful, the proverb says, he who covers over an offense promotes love. So the vast majority of us as Christians in the church today, when we're mistreated, when you know when we're treated in a way that's that's selfish or when we're betrayed or when we're harmed we we regrettably because of our immaturity have a need to tell other people and often we'll tell anyone who will listen we'll even rationalize it okay we'll rationalize it and make excuses right we'll make excuses for telling our spouse and our children about how the person at work disrespected us or how this person at church, you know, um, mistreated me, okay? Proverbs 17, 9, he who covers over an offense promotes love. What does that mean? That means when we're wronged, we, we cover the person and we don't have to tell anyone who will listen how they have wronged us, how they have betrayed us, how they have spoken ill of us, right? How they have disrespected us, how they have hurt us. He who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. So look at your life. How often are you willing to talk about what other people have done wrong in general or what they've done wrong to you? If 
if you're able to do a candid, forthright, and honest examination of yourself, you ought to come away extremely convicted that that you speak about what other people have done wrong, their failures, far more than you ought to. Okay, you ought to have an absolute conviction. If you don't have a conviction about that, then then there is an area of deception in your life. And I'm going to say that boldly. Okay, now, yes, all of us should be maturing in this. All of us should be growing and doing this less. But it's it's epidemic. Okay, so again, look at yourself and how often do you rationalize speaking to others about other people's failures, about what other people have done wrong, or about what other people have done wrong to you, okay? Because he who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter, whoever needs to keep talking about it, what other people have done wrong and where they and where they failed, separates close friends and brings a problem. Living in light of forgiveness, having a lifestyle of forgiveness means you don't have to keep talking about, you know, the wrongs and the failures of other people. And there, there should be a certain fear of the Lord in this, okay? Because the more we're willing to measure out and talk about other people's failures, the, the more the Lord will, you know, will expose our failures. And every one of us has failed miserably, all right? Look at uh, 1 Peter 4, verses 7 and 8. 1 Peter 4, verses 7 and 8. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Love covers over. It doesn't, it doesn't tell anyone who listened. That's not love. It's not love in the least. It's not discernment. It's not wisdom. Okay? Deep love is, is willing to see other people's good, even though they certainly have failures in their life. Now, again, what am I talking about? I'm talking about the height of Christian maturity. I'm talking about a goal for every one of us to look at ourselves and say, wow. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray, okay? When you're mad, when you're upset, when you're bitter, when you're frustrated, you're not clear-minded, and your prayers are certainly less effective. The more you talk about how bad everyone else is, the more you talked about, the more you talk about how, how you've been wronged and how other people have been wronged, the less clear-minded you are, the less self-controlled you are, and the less... You can pray effectively. And hear me when I say this, talk to anyone. A lot of people will say, well, I just share everything with my my spouse, my husband or wife. It's immature. It's sin. Your husband or wife doesn't need to know every wrong that's been done to you or anyone else throughout your day, right? It doesn't, they don't need to understand every disrespect, okay, that's been done to you. Okay. Again, a, a great failure in the church today is Christians will sit down at the dinner table or the breakfast table or whatever. You'll have husband, wife, and kids, and the parents will lead the kids, and then the kids learn, and again, willingly talking about what everyone else has done wrong. All right. It's immature, it's sin. 
all of us should be able to look at ourselves and just earnestly repent. Lord Jesus, I do ask you to forgive us. Lord, I ask you to help us to be clear-minded and self-controlled so that we can pray. And Lord, help us to above all love each other deeply, knowing because love covers over a multitude of sins. Help us, Lord Jesus. All right, look at Luke 6, 37 and 38. Serious, right? There ought to be a certain fear of the Lord in this. Remember when I said that? Luke 6, 37 and 38. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Verse 38, give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let that sink in, okay? Um, every one of us, if we took the 10 or 20 or 30 worst moments in our life, would look horrible. Again, I said this in the first two teachings, and I don't know where these teachings will, you know, will end up, but, you know, the, the biggest reason we have trouble forgiving is we don't understand how bad we really are, right? Jesus said, though we're evil, we know how to give good gifts to our children in Matthew 7. How much more will your father give good gifts to those who ask him? So again, given it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You want to measure out forgiveness. Measure out love. All right. And then again, how do you do that? Okay. Paul's going to explain in Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, how to do that. Look what he says. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. The reason we have Bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, and malice. Malice is when you want bad things to happen to someone. It's the worst of all. The reason you have all of those things, or I have those things, is because we don't understand how much we've been forgiven, and we're not living in a lifestyle of forgiveness. How are you going to do that? It's a command of Scripture. Get rid of all bitterness. Again, the reason you have bitterness is you don't understand how much you have been forgiven, I don't understand how much I have been forgiven, and we're not living in a lifestyle of forgiveness. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. All right? How do you do that? Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So I'll say again, to do this effectively, we have to meditate consistently on the price paid for our salvation. Again, very few Christians do this. I don't do it as much as I ought. If I meditated far more on the price paid for my forgiveness, I would not have these problems. They would be worked out. Now I'm in the process. Again, this is a process of maturing in this, right? All right. And, you know, let's look at what Peter says in 1 Peter 3. 8 to 12. 1 Peter 3, verses 8 to 12. This is, a, again, a profound set of verses that, that will really highlight the things we're saying. 1 Peter 3, 8 to 12. Peter says, finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Verse 9. 
Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. All right, so let, let's stop there for a second. That's verses eight and nine. Let's really understand what Peter is saying, okay? Verse nine, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. I've already confessed how, how often I fail in, you know, in just, oftentimes I won't just come out and say an insult, but I'll say something to defend myself or I'll be insulting in an underhanded way. And, and when we do that, when I behave that way, I'm, I'm missing a blessing that I would otherwise have. Look what he says. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. What? Look at the next verse. Look at the next part of the verse. Because to this you were called. So I'm called to not return evil for evil or insult with insult. But with a blessing. So again, when I'm mistreated, when I'm insulted, when I'm treated with evil, I'm not to return the same things. I'm to bless them with a forgiving heart, a compassionate heart, be compassionate, love as brothers, be compassionate as humble, because to this you were called, why? Verse nine, so that you may inherit a blessing. Do you see it? There is a blessing that's reserved for us when we do not return evil for evil or insult for insult, but not not just not returning that, but going on the offensive and being a blessing to that person, praying for that person that's wronged us, right? Living in light, understanding of what we've been forgiven and certainly extending that forgiveness to others. It's incredible. Look at verse 10. For, quote, whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceit, deceitful speech. Verse 11, he must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. Verse 12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. This is where we don't, this is what we don't understand in this verse. All of this exhortation is is spoken about in the face of insult or evil having been done or being done to us. So when the Lord says this, he's saying when you're mistreated, when you're disrespected, when you're insulted, whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. Not just in general, of course we should do that in general, but even when evil's being spoken of you and deceitful and lying things are being spoken of you, you keep your tongue from evil. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech, even when deceitful speech is spoken to you and about you. Yeah, let let that sink in. Verse 11, he must turn from evil, turn from evil, When evil's being done to you, you turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. Now, again, yes, this ought to be our lifestyle. I'm not saying that, you know, you you just you keep yourself in a ridiculous 
an abusive situation. Don't, don't, don't mishear me. I'm talking about walking in this power of a lifestyle in forgiveness where what other people say and do to you, I'm not talking about taking a beating and physical harm and all that kind of stuff. Um, and even then we want to live in a lifestyle of forgiveness. I'm simply saying when you walk in the power of when people speak poorly of you, when they're disrespectful from you, that's evil. It's wrong. It's sinful. And all of us ought to look right there and say, when do we do those things? So not only ought we do we need to repent for when we've done those things, but when these things are done to us, we need to turn from it and seek the other person's good. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. Okay? So again, this is in the face of when heart, hurtful, harmful, disrespectful, insulting things are said to you, or when you've been betrayed, you must seek peace and pursue it. Verse 12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayers. So again, when you do this, when you do what's right, knowing that I myself have, you know, I'm an evil sinner and this is how Jesus treats me. This is how he, he loves me, Right. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So when, when, we, when we act in this way, the face of the Lord is against us and his ears are not as attentive to our prayers. It's, uh, it's remarkable. I mean, help us, Lord Jesus. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end now just by reading Philippians 2. Philippians 2, I'm going to read 4 through 11. I'll start in verse three. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wow. Father, I ask you to help us today. I ask you to forgive us. I ask you to forgive me, Father, where I have not lived in lifestyle forgiveness, Lord. I have not lived consistently in, in remembering the price paid for my forgiveness and then loving you in light of that, Lord, honoring you and emulating you, Jesus. I ask you to help us, Father. Convict us, Holy Spirit, that our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thank you, Father, for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Father, help us to walk as Jesus did. Help us to forgive those who have wronged us, Father, and to forget to be angry about it, to be upset about it. Help us to grow and mature in this lifestyle forgiveness. And Lord Jesus, I ask you to help us to emulate you in these things. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this message to our hearts now as you give us eyes that see Jesus and ears to hear him, hearts to know him and understand him better and better.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.